Bretto, can you believe it? The Wellness Summit is almost here. Oh, I'm P. I'm so excited. I don't know what to do with myself. Well, Bretto, it's been two long years since our last Wellness Summit. And if you're listening to this, folks, and don't have a ticket, then... What are you doing? The Wellness Couch family of podcasters gather for two days in Melbourne on Saturday, August 25 and 26, featuring... The Queen of Nutrition, Cindy O'Meara. The rock star of wellness, Dr. Damien Christoph. Connect with your spirit and soul with Barley Bomb survivor, Karen Smith. Self-care is on the menu with Kim Morrison. Master the art of ageing well with the one and only Marcus Pierce. Oh, shucks, Bretto. What about how to recover from rock bottom with Dr. Brett Hill? Master your stress with Dr. Maria Zushman. Get empowered with Imogen Bailey. Female health experts Dr. Andrea Huddleston and Ashley Bond. Master your sleep with Audra Starkey. The natural nutritionist Steph Lowe. Australian Idol winner, Wes Carr. Woohoo! And Quirky Cooking's Joe Witten and Fuad Kassab and a whole lot more. Oh, what a lineup, MP. Seriously, why would you not be coming to the Wellness Summit? Not to mention our world-class exhibition of Australia's most incredible, sustainable wellness products and services. MP, we've done the final layout. There are less than 100 spaces left. And there's only a few discounted tickets available at thewellnesssummit.com. Marcus, be there or be square. Zazen Alkaline Water presents the 2018 Wellness Summit, Saturday, August 25 and 26 at the Collingwood Town Hall. Getting quick, folks. The final release of discounted tickets available at thewellnesssummit.com. See you there, Bretto. Thewellnesscouch.com. Streaming wellness into your lives. This is Up for a Chat with Cindy O'Mara, Karen Smith, and Kim Morrison. Here we are, Up for a Chat, about the hottest topics that are important to you, inspiring you to awaken the change within. I'm Cindy O'Mara, and I'm alone today. But as well as welcoming listeners, of Up For A Chat. I'd also like to welcome the Functional Nutrition Academy students. And the reason I'm doing this recording is, firstly, we did a, a interview with Carrie Gillum, who is an investigative journalist who wrote the book Whitewash. And Whitewash is about uh, glyphosate, Roundup, um, which is the active ingredient in Roundup. It's all also about Monsanto. It's about the Uh, Environmental Protection Agency, as well as the FDA and the USA. And it's all about the corporate greed, the lies, the deception about a product that was said to be safe, but perhaps isn't. So for those that have listened to that, this is just more about Roundup and glyphosate. For those who haven't listened to it, I recommend that you go and listen to it. It was July 17th in the Up For A Chat podcast. And as far as the Functional Nutrition Academy students, um, I, I'm doing this for you also because I think it's important that you understand uh, how glyphosate is affecting our health or how Roundup is affecting our health. So we're going to not only talk about how it's affecting our health, but we're also going to be talking about the history of glyphosate because I think that that's 
um, is really telling. And anything that we do with the Functional Nutrition Academy is that we always look at the historical perspective. So when we look at nutrition, there are two uh, underlying philosophies that we look at. The first one is vitalism. So vitalism being that we are an innate intelligence given the right resources the body will do the right thing by itself. It will be healthy. It knows how to be healthy. And those right resources could be or are sleeping, uh, you know, time out, movement, good food, sunshine, connection. So these are the basics of uh, what we need to give the body, which is an evolutionary body, in order to be healthy. And the other part of that is then stop interfering with it. And interfering with it could be with chemicals. It could be with, um, you know, make, taking medications that are not necessarily uh, right for the body. So when, I, you know, often we, we hear the thing about um, side effects of medication. And I was listening to someone recently who said it's not a side effect, it's a total effect of the medication. And we call it the side effect, but in actual fact, a medication could work on a biochemical pathway and if it's working on that biochemical pathway, then there are other things that it will affect as well. And so it's called the total effect of the drug, not the side effect of the drug. And I thought that was a, you know, an interesting concept. So um, we, I spoke about um, Roundup and Glyphosate at the Functional Nutrition Academy Summit that we had at the end of July. And um, I want to go further into it as to, uh, I didn't have time, you know, at, the, at that point um, and I wanted to go further into, you know, what are the health effects of glyphosate? So when we interviewed Carrie Gillum, the author of Whitewash, we talked about the political uh, aspect of it, not so much the health aspects of it. So I really want to get into the health aspects of it one of the things that um, I have been speaking about when I've been around Australia on my tour is trying to inspire people to talk to their councils as to why they're spraying glyphosate, here are the effects and, you know, what do we do about it and what are the alternatives. So I'll make sure that in the show notes that you have a whole bunch of information uh, that I've sent to my council and that you can then send on to your council so that, um, you know, they get to know what you know because it's really important that, that they do get to know what you know. So let's first look at the history of glyphosate. But before we talk about glyphosate, because some people call um, it glyphosate and it's actually not a phosphate, the real name of glyphosate is glycine methyl phosphonate and what they did was that they just reduced the name down to glyphosate glyphosate so yeah, i even had trouble saying it so it's g-l-y-p-h-o-s-a-t-e so they take the glycine methyl phosphonate and they just reduced it to glyphosate just so you know that it's not a phosphate um, but uh, um, something quite different. And um, it's, it's actually like uh, the amino acid, glycine. Um, and one of the things that 
was proposed by Dr. Stephanie Seneff was that um, glyphosate actually replaces glycine in the amino acid chain, which is it's not a great thing. Anyway, we'll be talking about that. Let's just talk about the history of chemicals um, until we get to glyphosate. But if we look back in the late part of 1890s, they started to use uh, arsenic of lead, so arsenic and lead, um, in order to help with pests. And very much they used it in the 14 states of the USA where they were growing corn and wheat um, and soya. Uh, and they used it to on a locust plague. So that was 1938 and 1939. Um, arsenic and lead was used in quite a widespread amount, probably in more than it's ever been used. Then DDT started to be sprayed about the 1940s, so mid-1940s, uh, um, as a, a pesticide. It was also used to get nits out of hair. Um, there were lots of advertising about DDT, that it was good for you. You can actually go back on and Google it yourself and say advertising for DDT. I had somebody recently send me... Um, a recipe book that had advertising for DDT from the 1940s and 50s. Um, and one of the things that um, I noted was um, that they said to put it on, on your paint with your paint and paint it on your walls of your house um, to stop um, insects. <laughs> it's just unbelievable really what um, it was used for. And then uh, 1970s glyphosate started to be used um, as herbicide but before the 1970s it was uh, patented as a descaling agent so this was 1964 it was patented as a descaling agent now a descaling agent means that uh, glyphosate would take minerals out of um, something, so a big boiler, or let's take your kettle, and you know how all the minerals start to increase on the surface inside your kettle? Well, it was used to descale means that it takes the metal off um, the container. So whether it be your kettle or whether it be a big boiler, um, it was used as, as a descaling agent. So what it basically did is it chelated minerals out of solution and um, what they noticed is if they descaled something and then added water to it and then put it back into the earth or onto nature uh, it would kill everything so in 1969 Monsanto bought the patent and they patented it as a herbicide and it was a broadleaf herbicide. It basically killed just about everything. Um, so in 1969, it was patented as a herbicide. But it wasn't until 1974 that it came onto the market. And it was more for the backyard gardener. Um, it was um, advertised to not only, you know, backyard gardens for vegetables, but backyard gardens for dandelions and weeds. In actual fact, one of the um, best advertising that was ever done was a Rose Bowl um, advertising where they had the, a male um, looking like he was drawing guns from his side pockets um, to kill the five dandelions on his concrete driveway with Roundup. 
So it became very popular with the gardener. So that was um, the 19, 1974. Then in 1996, um, there was a new uh, crop that was called genetically modified crops. And they, many of them were round up ready crops. And I've heard some people say that these Roundup Ready genetically modified crops were actually created to sell more Roundup. You know, whether that's right or wrong, I've heard people say that um, and you can take it for, you know, any way you want to. But I've actually heard quite a few people say that um, it was used to sell more Roundup because Roundup then was seen as something that was harmless, that didn't affect humans only affected bacteria, plants, and fungi. So um, it was seen as something that was quite extraordinary. But I also want you to know in the 1990s that uh, Monsanto was fined a lot of money for lying about Roundup. Nobody seemed to get the memo for it. And what amazes me today is that I can go on articles on our um, Australian ABC, um, our country hour, Um, and see people talking about Roundup and how safe it is. Still today, they are saying this. Um, Yet, you know, it was the 1990s when um, Monsanto was actually fined for lying about the safety of it. So, um, of course, Roundup Ready crops include soya, canola, sugar beet, alfalfa, So these are all Roundup Ready and most genetically modified crops are Roundup Ready. We're now looking out that Roundup is not working so much anymore and now what we're seeing is not only Roundup Ready but we're seeing Dicamba Ready as well as 2,4-D Ready. Um, So now you can get genetically modified crops that can resist those three herbicides. So in other words, once the plants are planted and they start to sprout, you can actually spray Roundup on them because they're, um, they're not killed by Roundup, they're not killed by Dicamba, and they're not killed by 2,4-D. Um, so I find this quite scary because they're spraying more and more chemicals on our food supply at you know, any time throughout you know, the crop. Be, you know, growing, which means that those chemicals will stay um, within the food supply, which then, um, you know, causes all sorts of ill health. So that's all of our Roundup Ready GMO um, crops. That was 1996. Then in the year 2000, they started to use uh, Roundup as a desiccant or a drying agent. Um, and they would use it at one part per million per over an acre. So somebody described it to me as a can of Coke in water in a, a a can of Coke, sorry, of um, Roundup in water sprayed over an acre of land would desiccate or dry or kill, in other words, a crop uh, and bring it into harvest, ready for harvest and it could be done up to seven days um, before uh, it's harvested. What this does is that that means Roundup is left in many of our foods. 
And by it being left in many of our foods, um, we then eat it. And what we're going to talk about as we move on from here is the effects of Roundup on our body. All right, so in the year 2000, it started to begin being used as a, as a desiccant at one part per million. More recently, we've found um, what they've done, uh, and I don't know who came up with this, but they've come up with allowances um, for human food. And one, one of the, allow, well, the allowance for human food is now 30 parts per million of Roundup in our food supply. Now, remembering that it takes one part per million to desiccate a crop, and yet they're allowing 30 parts per million in hu human food. With at 30 parts per million in human food, and when you realise what it's actually doing to our body, you'll, you'll realise that this is probably way too much um, to be allowed in. So for animal food allowances, it's 100 parts per million. And what I find interesting in soybean, it's allowed at 120 parts per million. There's been some research in drinking water. If anything's higher than 0.7 parts per million, there's an increase in infertility and kidney problems. I don't know about you, but this is the history of glyphosate. So let, let's just do a summary. 1964, it became a descaling agent, so it has a patent for it. In 1969, it um, became a herbicide, so a patent for it. Uh, in 1996, it became in Roundup-ready GMO crops. And by the way, um, much of the soya, much of our sugar beet, our alfalfa and um, even corn and um, canola are Roundup-ready, if not BT, um, which is a, a, the corn is a BT toxin, which is another thing, and we're not going to be talking about that today. Then in 2000, it became a desiccant. Now to really bring this to the party, 2010, it ha now has a patent on it um, in the year 2010 for, as an antibiotic and an antimicrobial and an antiparasitic. So it has had a checkered history and, and that history, I think, when we start to look at um, associations with what's happening with our, our body, we can actually see an association with how much Roundup is being sprayed on our food and versus um, the diseases that we're now seeing that are increasing. So let's now talk about the effects of glyphosate as we know it today. So in 2017, the World Health Organization uh, said that it was a possible carcinogen. As I speak today, there is a case going on in America where um, a gentleman is suing Monsanto as a result of him spraying Roundup, being told it was safe, and now having non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And if you remember when I spoke to, or Karen, Kim and I spoke to Carrie Gillum, um, we were told about a class action of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma with Monsanto. But the first case is being um, heard at the moment. And I, I do believe that summations are happening at the moment. So I, I don't know the exact results, but um, I, if I do know the results, I'll let you know in the show notes. So that was um, the first thing that we know is it's a possible carcinogen, especially for non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Secondly, 
I said to you that in 1964, it was used as a descaling agent, which means that it chelates with minerals, which it binds with minerals. And what it takes out of solution is um, sulfur, iron, copper, zinc, calcium, magnesium, copper, uh, sorry, cobalt, um, manganese, molybdenum, and selenium. So it chelates with these minerals. So if you're consuming it, then these minerals will be taken out of your body or not available to the body if it's in the food. So um, I find it interesting that um, we do have people that have iron deficiencies. Um, everybody seems to be spraying magnesium. Calcium is a problem. You know, everyone seems to have a problem with osteoporosis. Um, selenium, you know, people are saying that we have deficiencies with selenium. So it, the result of it being a chelating agent is that um, it basically takes these minerals out of, out of solution. When it became a herbicide, it became a herbicide because it disrupted a pathway called the shikimate pathway. So that's spelled S-H-I-K-I-M-A-T-E. So the shikimate pathway is an enzymatic pathway that is only done by bacteria, plants, and fungi. It's not done by the human cell, but it's done by those, um, those three, um, you know, microorganisms. And what it does is that it produces tyrosine, tryptophan, phenylalanine, coenzyme Q10, enterobactin, which carries iron, and folate. So the shikimate pathway is a series of steps and at the end of those steps, it will produce these medicines that are in our food. So three amino acids, two of them are essential amino acids, um, coenzyme Q10, enterobactin for iron and folate. And I find it really interesting since 2009, the Australian government um, believed that uh, we needed folic acid to be um, mandatorily uh, fortifying our foods, such as our breads and our flours and our cereals. So I find this interesting that this happened in 2009 and in the year 2000 we started to desiccate um, many of our, our crops, not necessarily our genetically modified crops, but our crops such as wheat or non-genetically modified canola we also started to desiccate um, other grains like oats, uh, rye, barley, our legumes such as red kidney beans, black beans, chickpeas, um, lentils. So all of these started to be uh, desiccated with glyphosate. So every single one of them, um, there, there are, there's a group called Moms Across America um, that has been doing testing uh, of foods that are high in glyphosate as a result of this 2000, approximate 2000 beginning of the desiccation of um, our crops. And they've been doing um, where glyphosate is in our food chain. And many of the legumes and grains uh, are now being seen to have um, glyphosate within them in 30 parts per million and above. And remembering that one part per million will kill a 
you know, a, a whole field. I remember when I put out the documentary What's With Wheat and I talked about glyphosate, I was um, given a roasting by a nurse who was the wife of a farmer in Canada. And she just kept saying that uh, I was wrong about glyphosate. It was safe. And she was the one who actually said it's only a can of Coke over a whole acre, um, one part per million that was causing it. And, and I've kind of been following her a little bit and I noticed that she has a lot of health issues. And I, I sometimes wonder if she's seeing that these health issues may have something to do with um, the farm's practice of spraying glyphosate as a desiccant um, or pre-harvest. So the shikimate pathway produces what I believe are medicines in our food. And, and what's interesting is I'm seeing advertising for coenzyme Q10 um, on television now to take as a supplement. But perhaps all we have to do is start eating organic foods and stop um, this desiccation of our foods, um, our grains and our legumes with uh, glyphosate. The other thing that we're finding that um, glyphosate is being sprayed in and and therefore it is found in the, pro, you know, the food or the drink or the produce, is that it's now being sprayed on vineyards or around vineyard or vines. So it can't be sprayed on the vine itself, but it can sprayed around it. And you'll see when you go past a vineyard how there is no um, greenery under the vine. You'll see it between the vines, but you won't see it under the vine. And I've actually been to vineyards and asked them, what are you, what are you spraying on there? And they'll say glyphosate or Roundup. Uh, it's being sprayed around nut trees. So it's now being found in our nuts. It's sprayed around peaches and nectarines and um, olive groves. And, you know, it is sprayed wherever there's a weed, they will spray glyphosate because everybody has been given the um, go-ahead that it doesn't affect human cells. So let's go back to the shikimate pathway. The shikimate pathway is, is like I said, bacteria, plants and, and fungi produce the shikimate pathway. Now think about your microbiome or your microbiota even. So you have bacteria um, in every, every orifice and orifice on your skin through from the mouth right through to the anus through your gut you are just packed with bacteria some of these bacteria actually do the shikimate pathway they produce your tryptophan your tyrosine your phenylalanine these are precursors to your serotonin, noradrenaline and dopamine, which are your neurotransmitters. 90% of uh, tyrosine, tryptophan and phenylalanine um, that is produced and then uh, given to our body to produce our neurotransmitters are, are made, is made in the, um, the gut. So when we have these beautiful bacteria that are being killed by glyphosate because of the food that we're consuming that actually has glyphosate in it and allowed in it at 30 parts per million. And if you're eating soya at 120 parts per million, then we're decimating the microbiome. We know that it's an antibiotic. In a, you know, the, it's been patented as an antibiotic. So if it's in the food and all the foods that I'm talking to you about, 
then you are eating it at quite a rate and it, it is basically killing the microbiome. You know, one of the things that they said is that it's the overuse of antibiotics that um, has been decimating the microbiome. But, you know, we've been taking, and I don't necessarily agree with antibiotics, but I don't think that they're the whole problem. I, I really think it's the food that we're consuming, the amount of glyphosate that we're consuming. And by the way, there are other chemicals out there. I'm just picking one. And as you know, as Carrie Gillum said in our July 17th interview with her, she said they're just the poster child. Monsanto and Roundup are just the poster child for a big problem. Uh, and, and we could talk about other chemicals being sprayed on our food, pesticides. There's one pesticide um, that's being sprayed on our food that we know that if a pregnant woman is exposed to it, that it does um, change the development of the brain in the unborn child. So, you know, it's, it's not just glyphosate. I'm just picking on this one because it's probably used more than any other. In actual fact, I think since the 1970s, 9.8 billion kilos has been sprayed worldwide. And in the last 15 to 18 years, two thirds of that has been sprayed. And, um, I can't remember, but what I will do is I will put the report up um, on the show notes. There's um, this lady that has done a report and she actually does the association as glyphosate is being sprayed. So have we seen an increase in pancreatic cancer, uh, an increase in Parkinson's, uh, you know, an increase in um, so many disorders such as autism, um, neurological disorders such as MS. And you will see in this paper all of the things that um, it, there's an association with. And once we see the association, we then want to see, well, what's causing it and how's it causing it? Um, and so what we're realising now is it's the chelating of the minerals out of, this, out of our body. Um, it's the effect on the shikimate pathway. It's the antibiotic to the microbiome. And what's interesting is that the 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 bacteria that is resistant to glyphosate is salmonella and clostridium um, diffidus. And the reason it's called diffidus is because it it's difficult to get rid of. Um, and these are resistant to glyphosate. So I'll repeat them again, salmonella and clostridia diffidus. And you know what's really interesting is that we're seeing more and more salmonella poisoning in our plant matter like you might see that the zucchini has salmonella. So, um, you know, people have gotten sick as a result of cucumber or salmonella from salmonella poisoning or lettuce. Um, so I find it interesting that it's salmonella and everybody's talking about clostridia. You know, it's a, there's an overgrowth in the, the, the human body. And one of the things that um, counteracts clostridia is um, a, a fecal microbial transplant. So... Um, yeah, it's creating a bit of a train wreck in the body. But that's not all. Let's keep going. So we also know that um, as a, remember I said to you, it's not a side effect, it's a total effect. So as well as it being an antibiotic in, um, in the body, as a total effect, it's actually causing a, a damage to the epithelial type junctions. So Epithelial tight junctions are not only in the gastrointestinal tract, but they're also in the blood-brain bar barrier. So there's tight junctions there. They're also in the kidney tubules. 
as well as um, in our blood vessels. So these, um, our cells are being broken apart. So the Velcro type um, things that keep our cells together, that protect us from the outside world and from toxins and from leaking, are being broken uh, by the damaging effects of uh, Roundup and glyphosate. So when we break the epithelial tight junctions in the gut, we allow undigested proteins, bacteria, viruses, such as Epstein-Barr virus, um, Guillain-Barr, all of these things, if we have consumed them, can now enter our body without um, heat. You know, there's, there's nothing protecting it. So these epithelial tight um, junctions, not only in our gut, are our protection, but also in the blood-brain barrier. And I remember listening to uh, a scientist by the name of Dr. Zach Bush, who's also a medical doc doctor in Virginia, um, who has researched um, chemotherapy drugs, talking about uh, how this really affects, um, you know, our body, and that if this was the case, then we would see an increase in multiple sclerosis, Parkinson's disease, autism, and all the neurological problems that we're starting to see today, plus the kidney problems. And we are actually starting to see that. I, um, I was listening to um, a podcast with a Professor Huber as well, H-U-B-E-R. So if you want to look up listening to any of his stuff. And he was asked, and I do believe it was with Dr. McCullough, he was asked, if you could choose between Roundup and DDT, now remember DDT was banned because of its neurological effects, neurological effects and, and many other things such as hormone disruption, etc. If you could uh, make a decision um, between those two as to which you would rather have used, um, Dr. Huber said, hands down DDT. And that's scary. You know, he, he thinks that also Roundup um, and glyphosate or glyphosate. And, you know, when I say Roundup and glyphosate, they are different because Roundup, even though glyphosate is the um, active ingredient Roundup, Roundup has excipients that um, um, enhance the effect of glyphosate. So while glyphosate is in many um, chemicals or herbicides, um, that you found find usually at Bunnings. By the way, if you're in Australia, Bunnings basically has uh, the, the has all the Roundup range. <laughs> I went into Bunnings and couldn't believe how much Roundup was in there. You know, for the home gardener, uh, it was quite scary. Um, and if only the home gardener knew. So, if you know anybody that uses this, please give them this podcast to listen to. And if they don't believe me, get them to start looking at what is happening out there. So these damaging effects of the epithelial lining um, is, is basically ca causing that, that train wreck. But not only does it damage the epithelial tight junctions um, of those four that I've already mentioned, um, this in turn enhances the damaging effects of other foodborne chemical residues and environmental toxins. So if there are other chemicals out there, they're just going to be able to get into the body and cause more havoc. Um, in the body. All right, so um, moving on, it downregulates vitamin D. Um, so not only does it destroy the ecology of our gut bacteria, 
it also is destroying the ecology of the soil. And without bacteria in the soil, the plants cannot pull up the minerals that are in the soil. So we kind of got a double-edged sword here. Any minerals that are in the plant that also has glyphosate in it, it then takes them out of solution. So we don't have enough minerals in the plant. We eat that plant and then the plant can't give us those minerals because glyphosate's in there pulling it out of solution. Because remember, that was its first patent was it was a chelating agent um, or a descaling agent, basically. So, um, so it, it um, yeah, it's destroying the ecology of the soil. The next thing is that it does harm embryonic, embryonic and umbilical cells. And what's interesting is that um, we had that research, I think in 2016, we put that research up um, on our What's With Wheat Facebook page. And I think since we've taken that Facebook page down and only because we've got so many Facebook pages that we have to deal with that um, Changing Habits decided to take that down. Um, but anyway, you, we can give you that information if you'd like that. Um, but we put it up and we had um, two Sunshine Coast or one Sunshine Coast resident actually ring us and said, you know, it's really interesting is that both myself and my neighbour were pregnant. And um, we noticed that the, the council was spraying um, herbicide um, and she asked what the herbicide was and it was Roundup uh, around their place and both of them lost their babies. Now, they never, ever correlated that to the herbicide being sprayed until I put this article up about how um, Roundup and glyphosate harms the embryonic and umbilical cells. So we thought that that was, um, you know, rather interesting. Um, and, you know, it's, it's not until people start talking about this that we, you know, we really start to um, look at, you know, what is actually happening and we start to question what we are doing, not only in our councils being spraying um, it, but also in our food supply. All right, moving on with the glyphosate effects. It inhibits methionine. Um, so a big thing at the moment that's happening is, you know, everybody's talking about the MTHFR gene or SNP um, and how there are two alleles um, that decrease our chances of, you know, methylation. Uh, so what I, um, what I find interesting is that is it the MTHFR and the two alleles that are really causing the problem or is it the fact that glyphosate's in so much of our food um, that it inhibits uh, methionine and is causing that methylation problem? You know, it's worth, worth thinking about. Um, and, and I don't think this is lastly, um, but this is as far as, you know, we know today. It replaces glycine in the amino acid chain. Remembering that the full name of glyphosate is glycine methylphosphophenate. So um, one of the things is that it replaces glycine in the amino acid chain. When I went um, to interview everybody for my documentary, What's With Wheat, um, Dr. Stephanie Seneff was one of our last interviews and she basically you know, said that she didn't think wheat was the problem, but it's what we're doing to wheat and what's in wheat because 
remembering that um, wheat is desiccated with glyphosate um, pre-harvest. So it's not only used to kill weeds before planting, it's also used as a desiccant um, before harvest. Now, not every um, farmer uses it, but many um, farmers sell their wheat put it in the same silo as other farmers that may be using glyphosate as a desiccant. So it can be, um, you know, it, you know, it can be come into contact with the other wheat and then, um, you know, everything just comes into a melting pot. <clears throat> so the fact that it's replacing glycine in the amino acid chain and remembering that, you know, we are made up of proteins and if glyphosate's sitting in there where glycine should be sitting in there, we don't know the havoc that, uh, it could be causing. So now that I've given you, you know, the effects of glyphosate and what's, what it's doing, um, and I, I want to go through once more where glyphosate is being found. So it's found in grains, um, especially wheat, oats, rye and barley. Um, and so your beautiful rolled oats that you might be having for breakfast, um, it's found in those. It's found in legumes um, and it will, it will be, uh, especially if they're, you know, and I, I'm not talking about organic here. I am talking about conventional foods. It's found in our seeds, so especially cotton and canola because cotton is also genetically modified. Um, but if canola is not genetically modified, number one, it will be sprayed on genetically modified canola. But if it's not genetically modified, it will also be sprayed on canola as a desiccant. So therefore, it will be in the oils. And remembering that um, if you see vegetable oil, you don't know where that's coming from. It could be from cotton and canola. Um, it could be from soya. It could be, you know, you don't know where it's coming from. Um, I remember at a restaurant one time and I, I saw they had sweet potato chips and I love sweet potato chips. So I always ask, well, what do you fry your chips in? And they came back to me and they said cottonseed oil. And I, and I just went, well, I won't be having the sweet potato chips. But it made me think not only are they um, frying the sweet potato chips in it, but are they using cottonseed oil if they were making me an omelette or if they were frying anything in. So I actually said to them, please don't use any oil in my food. I'd rather use, um, you know, a butter. <laughs> um, but even we have to really consider butter as well because our dairy cows, um, you might think they're grass-fed, and yes, they are, but when they go in to be milked, they will be given grain. So as they're being milked, they'll be given a grain to eat. And so while you don't see that happening, they're not being fed grain on the, you know, outside the dairy, but inside when they're being milked, they are being fed a grain. Now, is that grain a grain that has been sprayed with glyphosate? And you're probably by now just throwing your hands up in horror and going, oh, come on, Cindy, what is there to eat? I'll get to that. I will get to what we can do because we can do things. Um, but just let's talk about, you know, the foods that it's contained in. Uh, other things that they're finding glyphosate in is wine, um, red and white. In actual fact, Mums Across America and Zen Honeycutt that is part of Mums Across America. 
um, has been testing wines and she found that most Californian wines had glyphosate in it. Oh, by the way, whiskey doesn't have glyphosate in it. It's distilled out. So um, what's interesting is all your spirits that may have glyphosate sprayed on it, um, the distilling process actually gets rid of the glyphosate and they haven't found traces of glyphosate in those um, in, in, in all your spirits, which is a good thing. I guess if you want to drink, you know, some sort of alcohol, but it really saddens me that um, our wines um, have glyphosate in it. Um, one of the associates was Stephanie Seneff, and um, I can't remember his name. Uh, it's, it's Sorry, I've, I've forgotten his name. But um, he actually tested... Um, uh, vaccines for glyphosate and vaccines that were grown on egg white or egg or had been grown on gelatin uh, were contaminated with glyphosate, which is quite scary because that's injected into our system as opposed to going through our gut. You know, much it's still, you know, it's uh, to me they're all the same, but um, he did find that. Um, glyphosate was in um, in those vaccines, not in all of the vaccines, and I don't remember which ones they were. Um, but it's worth noting, you know, which ones are grown on egg eggs as well as um, gelatin. Um, so, you know, one of the things that um, I pride myself on changing with changing habits is that we try and get organic food um, as best we can, if not chemical free. And um, gelatin is something, gelatin and collagen uh, are really good sources of protein. Um, and um, to find a, a, an organic gelatin is not easy. You see a lot of grass-fed gelatin. But to find, um, you know, our, our beautiful gelatins that um, are also organic, um, it's not, not easy to find, but with Changing Habits, we do um, have an organic gelatin. So please check our organic gelatin out. Um, I'm sorry I don't have organic wines. <laughs> I can't help you there. Um, but you can, I'm sure you'll hunt some good organic wines out. Um, so other places where, where, where we're finding glyphosate is in all foods that have derivatives or are made up of genetically modified foods. So our sugar beet, alfalfa, uh, grains, um, so, oh, sorry, corn, as well as um, soya. So all of those will have specks of glyphosate or parts per million of glyphosate in them. So look at breakfast cereals, chips, crackers, breads, baby cereals. All of these um, will have some sort of glyphosate in it. So now that I've given you the doomsday of all of that, let's look at, well, what can we do? What, what do we have to do in order to uh, not be a part of this human experiment that's happening at the moment where we're seeing a rise in autism, a rise in Parkinson's, in cancers, in um, um, anxiety, depression, a rise in Alzheimer's and dementia. All of these are nervous system um, problems um, we're losing our minerals, so we're, we're, you know, people are saying, I'll oh, take supplements for our minerals, but there are things that we can do in order to, uh, to change this. And there's been, um, there was a summit on just recently, and it was about GMO and glyphosate, and it was excellent. 
summit and they were talking about detoxing from glyphosate. What do you have to do? Um, and I remember one gentleman and basically saying, you know, really good things to do was infrared saunas. Um, I should have written everything down, but exercise, then um, doing an infrared sauna and um, um, making sure that, um, you know, you eat foods that are organic. That's number one. So um, he also talked about uh, taking in humic and uh, fulvic acids. So let's, let's, let's first talk about um, the research that's being done on humic and fulvic. So Dr. Zach Bush said it really well. He said, Mother Earth must have known that we were going to really screw this up, that we were going to make a mistake and um, that we needed an antidote almost to what we were doing to our soils and um, to the ecology of the soil as well as the ecology of our gut. And um, one of the things that they discovered was that um, the humic and fulvic acids, now let me tell you what humic and fulvic acid is. It is um, something that was laid down, or vegetation that was laid down thousands if not millions of years ago. And what happens is the vegetation dies, the bacteria um, grows on it um, and lives on it, leaves it, um, and then the next lot of vegetation dies, the bacteria moves to that, um, you know, degrades it. And, and basically what happens is over time it changes. Um, and you will have heard of peat, P-E-A-T. So um, peat is the beginning, well, it's actually one of the stages of how it changes. So it goes from peat and then it turns into a type of coal called lignite um, and then basically turns into coal. And it's vegetation that's laid down, the bacteria kind of um, lays down um, or eats it, lives on it, goes to the next level and it's laid down over thousands and thousands if not millions of years um, and turns in, like I said, to peat, to lignite, to coal. This humic and fulvic acid, as it's called, um, holds minerals as well. So anything that was in the plant stays there. The bacteria doesn't stay there. The bacteria leaves because it can't live on it anymore. So it's almost sterile. Um, but what it leaves there is what was in the plant. So it, it is um, filled with minerals and in actual fact, fulvic acid will carry 70 plus minerals with it to parts of the body um, in order for the body to be able to use it. So it's filled with minerals, 80 plus minerals will be in that humic and fulvic um, acid. Uh, also, the bacteria leaves behind its communication system and it's a carbon-based redox um, molecule that's left. So one of the things um, that I remember 20 years ago, I um, was listening to somebody talking about, and I can't remember the name of the guy, but he, he spoke about... Um, Dead Doctors Don't Lie was the name of the, and it was an audio back then on a cassette that I listened to. And it's called Dead Doctors Don't Lie. And as I'm listening to him, he was talking about this mineral formula. And um, the mineral formula was filled with 80 plus minerals. And um, I found this guy in America and I started to import his minerals for my family into um, Australia. And 
for years and years and years, I made sure that my um, kids ate it and I ate it. We took it um, every single day and um, they were called colloidal minerals. And then when I started um, the Changing Habits food line, um, I decided that I wanted these minerals in the food line. So I rang the company and I wanted to order, a, you know, a ton, a thousand litres. And um, so they sent me the spec sheet and I noticed that in the spec sheet there was a preservative that I didn't agree with and I was really upset when I found out there was a preservative in it. And so I just decided that I, there's no way knowing that. So they didn't put it on when I only bought, you know, five litres of it. But when they send you the spec sheet, they show you that there's a preservative in it. So I, I realised that I didn't want to buy those colloidal minerals anymore and I just thought, what can I do now? And then about a year later, I found colloidal minerals in Australia and I rang um, the manufacturer of these colloidal minerals and I said to him, you know, do you use this preservative? Um, and he said, no, I wouldn't. In actual fact, I used to work for that company and I didn't like some of the things that they were doing. So basically what this company did in America is that they, um, these minerals were part of the humic and fulvic acid, which I was just talking to you about. And what they did was that they separated the humic and fulvic acids um, and they alkalized the fulvic acid. Um, and I, I said to him, so why don't you separate the humic and the fulvic and why don't you alkalize it? And he said, Cindy, the earth gives the humic and the fulvic together. And our colloidal minerals are 80% fulvic and 20% humic. And the reason I don't change it from an acid to an alkaline is that that is how the earth has given it to us. And most of the foods that we consume is acid and our stomach is acid. And so I don't want to alkalize the stomach. So I leave the humic and the fulvic acid together, which has all the minerals as well as the carbon-based redox molecule. So that was how Changing Habits got its colloidal minerals. But little did I know, and it's called on our website, changinghabits.com.au, it's called on our website, Organic Colloidal Minerals. So little did I know that these, um, this humic and fulvic acid with the carbon-based redox molecules had, had an, um, a way of being an antidote to glyphosate, not only in the human body, but also to soil. So if you're interested in getting your soils, um, if they have had glyphosate in it, and interested in getting the bacteria working back in your soils again, then can I um, get you to go to contactorganics.com. I don't know if there's a .au on it, but just try contactorganics.com. Um, and you will find if you're a farmer, or if you're a backyard gardener, you can buy um, these humic and fulvic acid for your gardens. As far as for the garden in your body, your, the ecology of your gut, then um, please go to changinghabits.com.au and you can buy our organic colloidal minerals. And I recommend that you put drops in your kids' waters. So just get a dropper and put a couple of drops in their bottled water um, or their glass of water or wherever you have water, just put a couple of drops in. And for adults, um, you take the recommended allowance, which is, I think, a teaspoon a day. I would even take a half teaspoon in the morning and a half teaspoon at night. And this, what this does is it gives back the communication system for um, our bacteria 
Number one, it helps close the uh, epithelial linings of the tight junctions of your body, as well as um, helps with the tight junctions of the blood-brain barrier um, and um, the kidney tubules and the blood vessels. So it's a, a type of antidote. But you can't continue to eat foods with glyphosate in it because it's just a waste of time doing this. You know, it's, it's like shutting the door after the horses have all bolted or the gate after the horses have all bolted and then, you know, trying to get them all back again and then, uh, and, and it's just like this vicious cycle. So my recommendation um, is this, is that start going to your farmer's market, start talking to your farmers, finding out what, if they do spray anything, what they're spraying. If they don't know, then don't buy from them. Start buying organic foods. So, um, you know, I have my own farm. I'm really lucky. Um, so my foods are all organic, but if you don't have a farm, then find a farmer who, um, does like a, a subscription. So let's look at our young men and women out there that want to be farmers. Um, and all the multinationals have taken that, that ability to make money from small farms away. And the only way we're going to get this back is if we start um, supporting our small farmers in our local community. I believe if that we start buying from our small farmers, and especially our organic and our chemical-free small farmers in our local community, then we can um, start to change what's happening here. We can start to improve the health of our, our children's body, our own body. Um, we can look for a brighter um, future as far as our health goes instead of seeing the decline in our health. And by doing this, um, we're not only going to help our health, but we're going to help the economy of the community that we're living in. So what I do is that I um, subscribe to an organic farmer here on the Sunshine Coast and every week I get a box of food. And that box of food um, is seasonal, so I don't know what's going to come. I have asked them if I can always have some garlic and ginger um, in it. So, you know, if my farm's not producing everything that I want, then I subscribe to this farmer and he sends me a box and, and it could be, you can ask for a $50 subscription or a hundred dollar subscription. It's up to you what you do. And I know they're all over Australia because I keep running into them. When I was doing my tour this year, I, I kept running into them. So they're there. So um, you subscribe to these guys and they give you seasonal, local, organic, chemical free foods. As far as um, foods that you cannot buy in your local area um, and they're foods that, you know, like salt or rapadura sugar or, um, you know, chocolate or coffee or things like that, um, you know, find these in as, as certified organic. So Changing Habits has a lot of these foods that you can purchase from us um, and um, we we get as much organic as we can. So we not only have our changing habits foods, but we now have a marketplace and that marketplace has, um, we've introduced nuts and seeds and muesli bars and um, mueslis themselves. And <laughs> we're also doing um, other people's foods as well. So that's a good thing. So let's um, just summarize what you need to do. Number one, um, get the organic colloidal minerals for your body with the humic and fulvic. Um, if you have a garden, um, look up contactorganics.com. It could have .au on it um, to get some for your garden. 
Um, find and seek out your local farmers market. Start getting organic produce. Um, make sure all of your grains and your legumes are organic, especially your tinned. If you're going to go tin legumes, definitely make sure they're organic. Make sure there's no BPA linings on them. Um, if you can, just buy dried ones so that you can do them yourself. I know they're not as convenient, um, but they, you know, they work brilliantly. Okay. I think um, that's about it. I've been going for the last 55 minutes. Um, I've given you as much information as I can on glyphosate. I hope my Functional Nutrition Academy students have enjoyed this. Um, it got a lot of information out of it. Um, remember in the show notes, I will give you lots of information so you can go to your council and ask them to stop spraying it. Uh, I, I actually wrote a, a letter to my local council. Let me just see if I can find it in my um, email. I, I actually wrote it recently and I was quite, um, yeah, I did. Let, let me just read to you what I actually said to my council. Um, so I, first of all, I rang my council because I've been bugging him for three years about this. Uh, and I, I said to my council uh, three years ago, you know, it's about changing. I went and saw people on the council. Um, I'd said it in a talk. I've been on radio. I've done everything I could possibly do to make my council know that we should be stopping Roundup. And then in April this year, I got a, a letter that they said that, um, in 10 years that they would stop the spraying of glyphosate. And I felt that that was not good enough. Um, so in, in total, I figured that they've been going, they'll be going for 17 years to get rid of the spraying of glyphosate. And to me, that wasn't good enough. So I basically said this. I said, thank you so much for getting back to me and asking me for more information about Roundup and the active ingredient glyphosate. I would like to reiterate that 10 years seems far too long to stop using a herbicide on our streets, sports grounds, dog parks, playgrounds and parklands that has been linked to non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. I've sent this email to my solicitor as I feel that if the council gets this information, knows this information, then it is negligence on their part if they continue to spray Roundup and glyphosate on the Sunshine Coast. When I get fined by the council for parking in the wrong place or having a dog on the beach without a lead, then I'm told that ignorance is not reason for cancelling the fine. It is with this in mind that I want our mayor to know that ignorance will not be tolerated by the citizens of the Sunshine Coast and I'll be guided by the law as to what to do if ignorance is the only reason glyphosate is still being sprayed. So, you know, I had to get a little bit tough on them because... I felt that they weren't even listening to me because they said it was going to be 10 more years. Um, they did get back to me. And so far, <clears throat> all I've got so far is thank you for the information. I will review this with my colleagues and I will get back to you. Now, the things that I actually gave them was um, Carrie Gillum's information on Monsanto, FDA and EPA, um, the history of glyphosate. Um, and what I'll do in the show notes is I will give you this whole email that I've given you with all the links and everything in it so that um, you're able to, if you want to do this with your council and get them to stop spraying it, then you've got that information, which would be so cool. All right. So I think um, I've given you plenty of information. Um, I've, I've given you what to do to help so we can stop this. And um, if you have any questions, just um, ask 
on the Up for a Chat page, um, on the Facebook page. If um, you're an FNA, please put those questions through to Natasha, um, which is natasha at fn.academy. Um, so please give her that information. Um, if you have any questions, and we'll, we'll get back to you with um, answers. But hopefully I've given you everything um, that you need. So um, in closing for Up for a Chat, um, if you want to give us a five-star rating, that would be really nice. Um, you do that on iTunes. Um, and also um, I think we're part of the, we are part of the Wellness Couch. So if you want to have a look at what we're doing, go to facebook.com forward slash wellness couch um, or facebook.com forward slash up for a chat. And let's be part of the ripple effect. That's changing the world. And as Karen Smith would say, we'll see you on the ride. Bye for now. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst The Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of The Wellness Couch podcasts.